your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle Empire! Well, all right, that takes us through the rest of the conference action for the past week. Michigan, Ohio State, and Rutgers were all on the buys. So let's take a look around the rest of the conference or the rest of the country. And this is going to take a minute because we got a pile of candidates for Dick Trips review, just a bag full of Dick Trips in review. Well, uh, as we predicted, Charlie Strong finally, finally got what was coming to him as South Florida got the shit kicked out of them by Houston. He knew it was coming, so not really that much to say. Uh, Eric King went 28 for 40 for 419 yards and five touchdowns, and then added 132 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Yep, he's your Jordan Lynch Memorial Group of Five quarterback who slaughters everything in front of him that only college football Illuminati have ever heard of um, of the year. NC State 22, uh, or number 22, NC State went to Syracuse after losing to Clemson quite badly. Uh, lost 51-41. Syracuse is 6-2, and two, and my God, as Big Ten fans, how upset are you that we didn't follow our destiny and hire Dino Babers so that you could see Dino amazing against Jeff Brom. cannon games. A trophy game with Dino Babers versus Jeff Brom, high-pitched, intense locker room speeches where chairs and shit get destroyed, and then... 51 to 48 is the average score. Yeah, it'd be our own little taste of the Big 12. It would have been awesome. Yeah, uh, this would have been... Uh, my God, I'm just getting sad. Thinking about this, this you know, would have been so beautiful. Yeah, you know, speaking of sad, uh, rest in peace, ranked App State. They made it to the rankings for one week and then got taken down by... A very good Georgia Southern A 7-1 Georgia Southern team that's really just going to take their place there, both in the rankings and atop the Sun Belt. Um, the program formerly known as the Boat Rovers, Western Michigan was in good position in the MAC before this week, and then they got boat raced by the weakest Toledo team maybe of this decade. Uh, looking elsewhere, you know, remember when we thought TCU was going to be a good resume item for Ohio State? <laughs> they lost to Kansas. Yeah, they got Kansas. Uh, well, after, of course, uh, Kevontae Turpin got arrested and dismissed from the team. Yeah, not great when your senior spark plug playmaker is, uh, you know, booted into the... Into Kansas the is better than Illinois now. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe not an unexpected result, so Dick Trip might be an appropriate place to put it, but we'd be remiss if we didn't point out that Florida State just took the biggest home loss in school history. Uh, <laughs> granted, number two Clemson, powerhouse program, looks like they're on an inevitable path to playoff. Not a surprising result necessarily, but for a once-proud program to be losing by almost 50 at home, can't be happy times in Tallahassee, which... You know, the thing is, I like that because... Yeah. As an Illinois fan, what I'm all about right now is I just want everybody, every home team, to lose in such miserable fashion that their fans just don't even want to come back anymore. I want everybody to hate college football as much as I do. I just want all the home teams to lose, and I want the fans to wonder, wait, why am I doing this with my life? Why exactly, like, my fan, I have, I have people that care about me, and I'm just ignoring them to go to this game. This is stupid. I should never come back. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana Athletic Department. Uh, not to mention, <clears throat> gotta do this ad read now. I liked it anyway. Dick Trips in Review. <clears throat> Dick Trips in Review is brought to you by Lovey Smith's Lawn and Garden Defense Spray Products. Apply and watch the yardage accumulate. Looking elsewhere around the country for Dick Trips in Review. Uh, Texas you know, A&M. Yeah, they got Clangud, which in... In retrospect, given what we thought these teams would be at the beginning of the year, this is probably the result. We, we probably thought there'd be that little number by Mississippi State's name and not Texas A&M's. 
Um, every time I see Mississippi State do something good, I do really wonder what Michigan State's defense would look like if Montez Sweat had stayed in the program. Um, Oof, miss you. I'm gonna make you sweat. Yeah, I mean they fa- they probably wouldn't have bothered looking for Kenny Willekes without him. So. I guess it's water on a bridge, but that's all I thought about that game. So, um, Washington should really be better offensively with a 12th-year starting quarterback, a guy who used to get, like, NFL draft hype and Heisman hype. Not so much this season. Um, Jake Browning has really he, he kind of had a little bit of a downslope to his career. Hey, wait, we called this one, didn't we? I think we did. Yes, we did. We said that California had a surprisingly good defense, and there they are holding Washington to 10 points. Washington to has a big 6 10 and team. 3. Yeah, um... So, th- I mean, this combined with the other Pac-12. Elsewhere in the Pac-12, yeah. Combined so I guess a, Oregon... Combined with the truest of Pac-12 after dark action that we may have seen yet this year. I guess Oregon doesn't regret that Stanford loss as much anymore because they got taken to Poundtown by Arizona, 44-15. to This is what we expected Arizona's offense to look like from the beginning. We thought that Kevin Sumlin having access to a weapon like Khalil Tate was going to be fantastic to watch from the beginning it took him this is what game eight probably for them at this point before he figured out how game to nine. use him before he figured yeah because they didn't have their buy yet before he figured out how to use him properly it it man if you're an arizona stand arizona fan yeah if you're standing for arizona at this point uh yeah um and you know we mentioned this earlier uh but yeah we ain't got no use for twitter <laughs> texas uh you know what Texas, I think, only made it up to number six because because they're Texas. They're Texas. Yeah, and Oklahoma State, I think, they're, was I thought I thought was overrated before the season started, but then I think people forgot that actually, you know, they're solid, right? I never thought they were bad, just yeah. not worthy of their preseason ranking. Yeah, and it, this is a matchup that I hope lasts for a long time. If if, I, if for one thing, if my team can't have Mike Gundy, then fine, he can stay there because I want to see the matchup between him. And Tom Herman, because I love the juxtaposition between Tom Herman, you know, the the sophisticated offensive savant, the member of Mensa, and Mike Gundy, a 50-something-year-old man who grew a mullet and has now kept it for three years to troll his kids. Like, that's a, that's a matchup I have to see on a yearly basis. Because it's, it's basically, it's, I mean, there's got to be a sitcom like this, right, where... You've got the sophisticated neighbor with just the inexcusable, unapologetic redneck neighbor. Well, essentially you have Tom Herman, right? Is is just like this mad genius. This cannot be! I am invincible! And then you have Mike Gundy. <clears throat> Damn it. <laughs> you have Mike Gundy. <clears throat> Dumbass. <laughs> what a jackass! <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, man. Tom then, Herman wanted to straight up fight him. That was some good stuff. I kind of wish he would have, because... We've seen Mike Gundy wear a leotard. That would not have gone, or unitard, I'm sorry. That would not have gone well for Tom Herman. His little nerd ass would have been put in a yeah, headlock and it would have been awesome. You, you think Mike Gundy has any shame? You think Mike Gundy <laughs> won't get out there and just, you know, you think he won't throw in the DDT? Yeah, Tom Herman's got to remember what he's in in the Big 12 when it comes to scrapping with other coaches. Do you know where you are? Yeah. You're in the jungle, baby. Yeah. Mike You're going to die. Yeah, Mike Gundy. You got Dana Holgerson, who's definitely, <laughs> yeah, who definitely just has a gun at all times. You've got Bill Snyder, who's probably got a musket at all times. And, no. Who knows Tom, what the hell is going on with Lincoln Riley? I mean, he's apparently getting approached by the Browns to take their head coaching job. Oh, my God. Do you have any idea how happy I would be if the Browns decided... That they needed a man with some Super Bowl experience who knew how to fix a defense. 
<laughs> it would be the most Browns thing ever, would it not? It would be the most <laughs> Browns thing ever. Um, I mean, because, yeah, essentially Lovey Smith, like, kind of physically a little bit resembles Hugh Jackson, but is objectively much better as an NFL coach. <laughs> Hugh Jackson, not that this is an NFL podcast at all, but Hugh Jackson's career record with the Browns was 336-1. and one. Dude, it, does David Beatty have a better record with Kansas? Percentage-wise, maybe. Um, but well, I mean, because fundamentally well, I mean, what got, happened... got bumped up this week, didn't it, with a win over it's TCU, funny. so... I was driving back from that wedding uh, through Steelers country and then through Browns country, so, like, the first half I was listening to the Steelers broadcast, and then the second half <laughs> I was listening to the Browns broadcast. <laughs> Essentially, outside of a garbage time... Uh, a garbage time touchdown drive. The Browns got 10 yards in the second half. And <laughs> that has to be such a morose experience, being a Browns color broadcast. Man, all right. Well, I thought that they should have gotten... Uh, I, I will go to my grave saying this. They need to get Mike Polk Jr., he of Factory of Sadness fame, <laughs> on the color commentary for the radio broadcast. So but anyway... Last thing that we'll point out, and again, this not necessarily a dick trip by dictionary definition but we would be remiss in failing to mention that um wake forest dropped 56 points on louisville in what was probably bobby petrino's last reasonably likely chance for win this season they're probably gonna end up with two wins on the year um don't schedule alabama and then the other thing is here lies bobby petrino schedule he wanted wanted bama Bama. although he got bama doubt he had anything to do with it but the other thing of note here is that Wake Forest running back Matt Colburn was at one time a Louisville commit, and then he was advised by Bobby Petrino, uh, we don't have room for you anymore, son. Sorry. I'm sure this decision will never bite me in the ass. <laughs> Not that Bobby it's Petrino... It's also worth noting that Miami did lose to Boston College. Not that Boston College is any bad, but... Miami fans are surely not very happy about this after suddenly remi- after suddenly remembering last year that they were back. Now they're losing to Boston College. So, um, we're going to move on to... Uh, we're going to move on to next week's action. Then we're going to first off see the uh, Minnesota, uh, whatever the hell they're calling themselves these days. Um, Flucking Gophers. Yeah. Uh, they can go fleck themselves right the hell out of Champagne, But uh, they're going to have to do it uh, only after scoring about 56 points on us. Um, I'm going to predict this one to be a 56 to... You got to 33 last week, which is a weird number. Well, because I'm trying to think. I was going to say 24, but then I thought, wait a minute. We're only going to kick one field goal? (laughs) No, you know what? 56 to 24. Eight field goals. (laughs) You realize that we have called... I think we've called eight 50-yard field goals this year. Do you realize how insane that is? If you got the kicker, who can do it? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hey, look. I guess, you know, one of the things that they say about basketball recruiting is that you want to show people that you can put guys in the league. Well, <laughs> Illinois wants to be kicker you. Hell yeah. Four State built a foundation for it that lasted for like 10, 15 years. So I don't know what else Flying to Glio Brothers. Yeah, no, we're going to get our asses absolutely kicked. And I hope that Lovey Smith is fired before, during, or after this game, uh, before the end of the year. Um, and in our coaching search, really what we need to do is look at all the candidates and identify, wow, which, guy, which one of these guys would you want to just punch in the face? Who's the most absolutely you know, objectively hateable person. Who's the most obnoxious little shithead that you could possibly find to replace Lovey Smith? That is the guy that is absolutely going to be the best hire. Are you saying you want to hire Lane Kiffin? (laughs) You know what? I just don't think Lane Kiffin would go to Champaign because it's very clear to him that his tan is a very important part of his lifestyle. 
Because how is he going to hit on college chicks without a tan? Come Joey, on, man. Joey Freshwater got to get that action. Yeah, man. And I don't know. The water ain't all that fresh in the Boneyard Creek. So anyway, yeah. Um, I don't expect Illinois to get within three scores of any other team this year. This is absolutely pathetic, and it's garbage time once again. And goddamn, I just want to be able to be excited about the season that it currently is instead hey. of some far-off season in the future. Hey, now. It's almost basketball season. Oh, Oh, great. We can go to Maui and get our I ass triggered, I triggered him. I triggered him. I shouldn't have. I'm going to try to put a lid on this before it gets too far. Um, although, in a mild podcast announcement, there are plans to take another stab at basketball content. Uh, it's just, there are so many games to watch, uh, and it gets exhausting. And frankly, I don't necessarily want to spend some Wednesday in the middle of December watching Nebraska versus, you know, University of Maryland, Southern Shore, or whatever they call them. I mean... I don't want to do it. Eastern Shore. Well, yeah, that actually exists, though. My point is, like, yeah. several tiers below that, because that's what our teams, that's what our conference schedules in December. So we're well, going to take a swing except at Except Illinois, which has basically scheduled itself right into six losses. MSU opens the season with Kansas. Yeah, but MSU is good. Not new, you know. <laughs> we suck shit. All these projections We start have, with Gonzaga. These projections have MSU at the top of the conference. I don't see it, man. I don't know. I don't think we're going to be anywhere that good this year. But anyway, that's just a little bit of a teaser for... I can see us totally getting to 13th in the conference this year. totally upcoming basketball preview content that's definitely going to happen. If it's going to happen, it's got to happen this week because then I'm going to be out of the country. And then all the games will be will be happening and a preview won't make much sense anymore. How so. about Butt-Sconson? <laughs> what about it? Um, look, Wisconsin, although they are certainly not the vintage of Wisconsin we've come to know and dislike the last few years... They are still leagues better than Butkers. This game is also at Camp Randall. This game should be over by halftime. Unless Rutgers got a whole hell of a lot better over the bye, and I don't see how they could have, this game should not be very interesting. And it's also the start, I believe, of um, Butkers' just just gauntlet of death down the stretch here. I believe they... I don't remember the exact order. Let's pull that up and take a look at it. Because in this last, Ooh, it's bad and in this last four weeks, they have in some sequence Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, so let's find. Yeah, it's. Oh, I clicked on Wisconsin schedule instead. Let's go to Rutgers. Almost got it right. So it's Rutgers, you stupid <laughs> pissants. Why do you got to do this? Like we can't even be recognized. Illinois can't even be recognized for how historically bad we are because you assholes have to hog all the glory. Glory. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we're calling it now. We're calling it glory. But... Yeah, we're having the most quietly terrible season uh, that will never be remembered by anybody because at least we're not Rutgers. And sure, we aren't Rutgers. You did beat them. You did this. <laughs> but yeah, Rutgers down the stretch here after losing just a slap fight to Northwestern. That was really their last realistic shot of the win. They close out at Camp Randall, home against Michigan, home against Penn State. At Michigan State. Now, it's is it safe to say that if Rutgers wins another game this year, it's going to be one of the most hilarious things that's ever happened in the entire history of college football? Yeah, until it happens to my team, because we still won't be able to run the ball. Okay, but here's the thing that you're going to have to remember if you ever want to be a parent, and you got to explain this to your kid, but if you saw this happening to somebody else, would you laugh? <laughs> yes, you would. Yeah, I would. Anyway, Nebraska, Ohio State. I think there's any shot... I think so. In the preview, we mentioned Nebraska's 
sorted things a bit. They've got a couple notches in the win column. They They're do in relatively have some talent good, at receiver. They're, yes, they do. They're in relatively good health. Ohio State's defense is in complete disarray. So the fact that you've got a diverse, difficult-to-prepare-for offense is going to be helpful for Nebraska, who can run, who can throw. Uh, I mean, the, Ohio State's been bad against everything defensively. They can't stop the run. They're vulnerable against the pass as well. And they've had trouble running the ball. Now, Nebraska's not been especially good defensively for the most part. But Ohio State, it kind of feels like... As good as Dwayne Haskins is, he kind of takes away one of the arms of their offense that's always been there, which is the threat of the running quarterback. As much as Ohio State fans screamed about Urban Meyer's over-reliance on JT Barrett yeah, I running got, the ball I, I, in some I, I cases. Medium, just... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the fact of the matter is they haven't schematically accounted for the fact that their quarterback isn't a running threat anymore, and it, it, which is weird because... When was the last time you even had an Ohio State quarterback like that that you... That you just never fear in the running game. I mean, it, it pretty much have to be Todd Beckman or no, unless you Bowser. count Bowserman, yeah, yeah. Bowser. But I mean, like, like, like an, a- an actual guy that was supposed to be the starting quarterback. Uh, I would say it was Todd there, Beckman yeah, I mean, in two thousand seven. Yeah, Beckman was the guy. Because you had Pryor, then you had Braxton Miller. Um, who, of course, Braxton Miller. Yeah, he took over for Bowserman once they got all their suspended players back in twenty eleven. Yeah, just in time for us. Um, and then, <laughs> Not that you're mad. then, uh, then of course you had um, the two guys in 2014, and now you have Haskins. Well, so I guess Cardell Jones wasn't really a run threat, but he also wasn't a full time yeah, star. No, Cardell Jones was a run threat. He was just because he was just, did, a he was kind just of huge. He was yeah. like it was like a, he was a Juice Williams kind of run threat. Yeah, Juice Williams runs over people and then fools you with the option. Right. So. All of which is to say I completely lost track of our point here. Yeah, well, so the point is Ohio State's got a lot of things to sort out here. Um, they still and it's have... also it's an Ohio State offense that just doesn't look like Ohio State offense has looked for a long time without no. that option threat at quarterback. Right, and, you know, by pure talent differential and the fact that Ohio State certainly, for one of the few opportunities that they ever have to say, nobody believes in us, guys. Um, I mean, like I said earlier, we saw last year what effect that sort of motivation can have on this team and it's it's ugly it's not something anyone wants to see so is there a chance for nebraska yeah absolutely well that i mean said the line opened at something like ohio state minus 18 or minus 20 we've seen 20 and a half right now and yeah. the other thing is it's at home um for right. ohio state but you know the thing is okay and i saw a bunch of takes like this on twitter you know if a scrappy underdog team that nobody believed in, like the Boston Red Sox, can scrap out and win the World Series, I mean... Anything is possible. Nobody believed... Nobody gave the Red Sox a chance Anything coming into this Anything is possible! Thing. They only won 108 games. They only had, like, several of the best pitchers to ever wear their former team's uniforms. Um, you know, nobody ever had any idea that the Red Sox were going to have a chance at anything. Just like Ohio State. I mean... True the, underdogs. Who could possibly even, you know... E- e- Ohio State beating Nebraska, I mean, you couldn't write, you'd write that script and Hollywood would just laugh you right out of the office. It's gotta be believable, kid. Yeah. So yeah, I think they have a chance. Um, Moving along, Iowa at Purdue, a couple of teams coming off of losses that sort of slowed their roll a little bit. These are teams that are both looking up in the standings in the Big Ten West, teams that both gotta have a win if you wanna be there and hope that Northwestern slips out banana peel. What do you see in this game? Well, I mean, this is a heated rivalry game that goes all Most the way back to, le- to to the Legions era. Iowa the, is the, at the, war the with Lead- Purdue. The Legions. Iowa yes. has always been at war with Purdue. Well, anyway, I don't know what to think about this game anymore because Iowa fell flat on their ass from an offensive perspective. While 
I said their defense would give Penn State fits, and I wasn't wrong about that. No, you're right. But I couldn't believe what their offense did. Um, their offense did put up some yards, but we saw. My God, I mean, they they just artfully they just artfully escaped from scoring position. Yeah. So many times. Yeah, and the thing is, Purdue's defense is quite good in the red zone. Um, now, on the flip side, we saw Purdue was limited dramatically on offense from what we're used to seeing from them this last year and a half or so by Michigan State. I think Iowa's probably a comparable defense from a you know talent and scheme standpoint, having a philosophy that works. So it's going to be a good Purdue offense against a great Iowa defense. And what like, we are now, what we are going to see though is. Iowa has officially suspended a couple of those defensive backs, um, Matt Hankins and Trey Creamer, which is maybe part of the explanation for why they've had these two freshman corners out there who have done pretty well so far. But this will, I mean, even Penn State's outside receivers compared to what Purdue has out there, not quite so good. So this is going to be a big test for those two guys. And then you have, I don't, I don't know, I mean, this one is Purdue favored at home by two and a half. That's just that customary two and a half points. That's, well, yeah, the home and field advantage is supposed to be, what, three points? So two and a half to three, yeah. On a neutral field, this is basically a pick em. I don't think I've made my decision for our picks yet. I guess i got to do that today. I have no idea what I would, I mean, this is basically a coin flip game to me. Yeah, I mean, again, the, uh, you know, Iowa basically needs to win this game to have any shot at, the Big Ten West title. Both of them do. They're both. I think. I think they're both three and two. And well, yeah, they both. They both right do. Now. But I'm saying like Purdue's got that loss. Purdue's already got the loss to Northwestern. Iowa so, still yeah. has an opportunity to beat them. Right. <laughs> and because Northwestern has the conference loss, Iowa is the team that still has the chance to get to Indianapolis. I'm sorry, I'm allergic to first place Northwestern. <laughs> they win the current game, so um, I'm allergic to Katie's, God damn it. Well, that being said, we can bring up the Northwestern game now because it won't affect the conference standings. They have this late-season non-conference game bringing in Notre Dame. Uh, that would be number three Notre Dame. I thought you were going to break out in hives there for a second, so I was looking for an EpiPen. But. This is, um, there is only one circumstance in which I will ever feel this way. And it is this one. You Roll goddamn cats. I don't know the words. I'm yep. I really hope that Northwestern can pull this one off because there is just nothing more pure evil in college football than Notre Dame. And uh, be tremendous for them to get taken out again and still not be able to, I mean, just, you know, not be able to get any wins in this home and home with Northwestern. And just be absolutely apoplectic about it. Like, how did we lose to them, of all people, the inferior Chicago area institution? I, well, I mean, the other thing is, of course, that. Right, they beat Michigan pretty soundly. Michigan is better than Northwestern. There's really no two ways about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> the transitive property of wins did dictate a win here. But or a hilarious game of rock, paper, scissors. One way or the other. Notre Dame is an eight-point favorite, and I think that, like, I don't know. This game has... Northwestern's involved in this game. It's going to be really stupid. It's going to be really weird. Yep. So, um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it was really right. This is the only circumstance that. under which I am willing to root for Northwestern. Yeah, why not? Let's let's get a go, Cats. I could get by that, whatever. Um, looking elsewhere. As long as they lose the rest of their games the rest of the year, I'm happy. Uh, Michigan State at Maryland. I'll let you go first on this. What do you Well, that? both teams need a win here to clinch bowl eligibility. Sure is a thing. Um, neither team really in the picture in the division. Mar- oh, yeah, Maryland already played Rutgers, so. Yeah, well, right. And so. Whereas Michigan State has yet to square off against their blood rival. Yeah, the team we get matched up with on Senior Day now because we just had to go ahead and add them. And 
Nobody likes these paste-eating fuckers enough to be stuck within the end of the year, so Michigan State and Maryland and Penn State basically have to rotate. It's it's like it basically playing records in the end of the season is like being stuck hosting Thanksgiving a couple of years in a row every few years, and then your mom like turns her eye of Sauron to one of your siblings, and you don't have to do it anymore. But for those two seasons, like fuck, now I gotta clean my damn house. I got like there's no space in my fridge for a turkey. Where am I gonna put a fucking twenty pound turkey? That's the burden of hosting Rutgers at the end of the year. You are the I'm gonna throw this twenty pound turkey directly in the fryer. No, I didn't defrost it. Yes, I got fire insurance. I don't give a shit. I don't want to play Rutgers at the end of the year anymore. So what I think is gonna happen is because college football 2018 is a vehicle designed designed to make me ashamed for having gone to Illinois. Michigan State is going to pull out one of those vintage Oregon performances and go 69 nothing on Maryland. Nice. Uh, I really do think, because Maryland's offense is one that's easy to stop if you have any idea what the fuck you're doing on defense. Yeah, well, the fact that they, for the most part, do not have a whole lot going on in the past game, this is about as favorable a matchup as you would see for Michigan State. And again, again, Michigan State, like, unless, unless they trot out a whole bunch of defensive backs who, like, never played football before... They're going to be able to stop Maryland's passing game, and they're going to be able to win those one-on-one matchups at the ed- at the edge, right? They're not going to be losing the battles, so as a result, it's going to be the kind of thing where uh, Maryland's just not going to have a whole lot that they can do. They don't yeah. have a very versatile offense. Yeah, I mean, and Michigan, I think that Michigan State can stop those few things that they do well. Yeah, Michigan State's got. It's supposed to be getting a couple more guys back. I mentioned earlier, Cody White is supposed to come back, but we could also see Josiah Scott here, who was supposed to be the number one corner all season, and hasn't been healthy enough to play. Mm-hmm. Um, now that all that being said, they're still going to be in a situation where they're down a couple of offensive linemen. Even if they weren't down those guys, their offensive line is bad, especially at run blocking. So they're still going to be limited on offense. In the best case scenario, Felton Davis isn't coming back. The offensive line remains terrible. The offensive philosophy doesn't care that the offensive line remains terrible. MSU should win this game, I think. I think Michigan State should win this handily. I don't know why they're only a point-and-a-half favorite. I think it's because people are drunk on Maryland beating a terrible Illinois team and still still cannot get that image of Michigan State flailing helplessly against the Wolverines. Well, yeah, there's that. I mean, and from a record standpoint, teams are identical. Now, as you yep. mentioned, Maryland did already have the benefit of Rutgers on their schedule, so that'll do that for you. But in any case... The marquee game of the week, Michigan at Penn State. Um, beginning of the season, I would have thought this would be the first of three decisive games to decide, or the second of three decisive games to decide the Big Ten East. I didn't think Michigan State was going to be in that conversation, really. Um, but have Penn State having already lost to Ohio State, Michigan looking like the best team in the conference by a considerable margin now. Um, I mean, do you see a scenario where Penn State wins this game? They've had this. I mean, it seems like Penn State has had all their big games at home so far, and they've fumbled two of the three into the gutter despite having opportunities to win. Is this the one where they changed that fortune? I mean, they overcame a terrible start against Iowa last week. Now, Michigan is a different type of animal. What do you see in this game? Do you see Penn State? Michigan is basically, I'm seeing them as a slightly better Iowa, like, because they do a lot of the same things well. They play good run defense. Um, they run the ball reasonably well. I think they run the ball better than Iowa does. They are, they are Iowa team. with actual big play threats at yeah. wide receiver and a dual threat quarterback. Um, that that you know we meant I phrased earlier that Ohio State without their running quarterback is short in arm. Well, that having those two things is basically two more tentacles that you have to account for. So and I in most cases, think... yeah, in most cases it's been too much for opposing defenses to hold them down for the whole game. And because Michigan's defense is so good. Whatever points Michigan puts on the board tend to be enough. I just had a very hot take there, which I said, 
I do think, so depending on who you ask, that might be a very controversial viewpoint. But anyway, I do think that Penn State has a legitimate chance to win this one because I think that they can do, I think they've got enough talent on the offensive line to, they would have to have a better game than usual to do this, but to move the ball against Michigan. Yeah. And on the ground and through the air. And, you know, I mentioned in the Michigan State game that injuries were a factor for them, obviously. Michigan's been missing Rashawn Gary for several weeks now, and Tariq Black has yet to have much of an impact this season. The thing is, they've been fine without those guys. Um, now, having Gary back would be great because it's one more bullet on the defensive line, you know, to fire. The one thing that I think Penn State's got to be looking at with, you know, as an advantage is Michigan's defense has been vulnerable to dual threat quarterbacks, to misdirection, to counter because they play such an aggressive charge at the ball style. Are we calling Trace McSorley a dual threat? I mean, whether he's, whether he really, if. What what I'm saying here is that. Yes, he's a dual threat. Look at his rushing stats. If Trace McSorley. For a second, I was like, well, is that even a reasonable. Yes, he's a dual threat. What are you talking about, man? Trace (laughs) McSorley. What I'm saying, I think, is that if, is that, is that Penn State has a chance to win this game. Maybe convincingly, if and only if Trace McSorley has one game where he's anywhere near as good as Penn State fans think he is at executing all phases of the offense. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, he's gonna. If he, they think he's the greatest quarterback in college football because because you know because they cover the receivers and then he's like, oh, I can't make the throw because I'm not very good at that. I'm gonna run for seven yards because the defense is giving it to me. And again, look against Michigan's defense. That's probably not a terrible thing. You're gonna have to get yards in creative ways here because. Penn State's outside receivers, as we mentioned a couple times, have not really been as good as we thought they would. Their slot guys are fine, so that really is where you're going to need to attack. But throwing to the outside is not going to be a great idea. Running inside is going to be difficult. You're going to have to find ways to get yards that don't necessarily involve the traditional plays that you would expect. You're going to have to break tendency in some cases. So <laughs> is, is Trace McSorley a dual threat quarterback? Yeah, he is. I mean, the problem is for them to win this game, he's going to have to put up a passing line like he did against Ohio State. And that seems to have been more of a feature of Ohio State's defense being more broken than we Pass realized. defense in particular yeah. is very, very dysfunctional for the Buckeyes. Yeah, and so that's... And Michigan's pass defense is not. I mean, they're vulnerable in some ways, but not the way Ohio State was. So, yeah. For what Penn do you think State of this to, one? What do you think? How do you think this turns out? I think Michigan probably wins. I haven't seen the line, but something in the order of a 7-10 to 10 point win for Michigan probably feels about right. What would be the thing that annoys me the most? It'd be really, really annoying to have to be like, okay, fine, Trace McSorley is the greatest little engine that could. Um, but it'd also be pretty annoying to see Michigan come out of this one still undefeated in the Big Ten, so I don't know. Um, there's really not an outcome of this game that doesn't annoy me, so I guess I don't know what to pick. <laughs> Uh, let's take a look around the country nationally then. Um, oh my goodness. I don't know if you saw my eyes just get a thousand yard stare here. Yeah, but, I wondered. Uh, Clemson at home against Louisville. Is Mother of God. 39 <laughs> point favorite. Uh, is that this all? Is, the, yeah, this is like Ohio State, Illinois last isn't year Isn't that territory. usually, like, isn't there a point where they usually stop putting, like, they stop accepting a betting line on it because it's like, we're never going to get money to balance this stupidity out? Like, that, oh my God. That, yeah, that oh was, and I put man. this under the check this shit out category. Because um, oh. I, don't, I don't really see anything that I feel like is an actual viable upset candidate. You can talk me into Temple at UCF. Okay, Georgia at Kentucky is an intriguing as shit game because yeah. number 11 Kentucky. Yeah, no, if you think about where the two teams are ranked, that's basically a playoff, like, round of 16 or round of 32 game. Like, neither of these teams is eliminated yet. The loser probably is. 
So there's going to be some stakes there. Georgia's been a little more vulnerable against the run than you would think. And Benny Snell is one of the best running backs in the country that you probably don't know about unless you're a hopeless football addict like we are. Which <laughs> you're listening to this podcast. You're among friends. So there actually are a few more interesting. I mean, there's also Alabama at LSU, um, which is a top five matchup. Um, and let's The most impactful game of the season so far that everyone in 48 states is going to fucking hate. It's going to be hideous. You know what? I think that this is probably, like, every time lately I think there's going to be a game against Alabama, it turns into, like, 45 <laughs> to 9. Yeah. It's so like, I think it's going to be an enormous blowout in Alabama's favor. And then, like, Bama fans are still pissed off because midway through the first <clears throat> quarter it was only 14 to 3 or something. It's <laughs> God damn it. You ought to send... I can't believe that Tua missed Judy by that much on that throw. He was wide open. Y'all oh, sent his ass back only to... Ten, only 10 for 11 for the first quarter for 190 yards and two scores. What horse shit. Bench his ass. Y'all sent his ass back to Grenada or Tonga or wherever the hell. This is what we get for only using a single reactor ignition with the damn Death Star. Didn't even blow up the whole fucking planet, man. God damn... These all, are, it's probably all Auburn's fault. These are great and authentic Southern accents that we're doing. So, so anyway, yeah. Bama, Louisiana LSU, Tech that's game. at Mississippi State. Louisiana Tech is six and two, and nobody ever like Skip Holtz destroyed USF. Is but he still there? He, is he yeah, he has well, quietly been very good at Louisiana Tech. I don't know if this matters. Right yeah, but uh, um, well, OU against Texas Tech. That'll be a hell of a game, uh, by which I mean there'll be some points scored. Texas Tech's defense is better than most people give it credit for, but it's against Oklahoma. There's going to be some points. Number 10, Washington State. Goodness gracious. Swing your sword. Yep. Against California. Another underrated defense. Hey, man. Let's see. The top 25. How many coaches that Illinois absolutely should have hired in here? There's Syracuse. There's uh, Washington State. This feels like that destructive behavior your therapist probably told you about. So (laughs) the only other game that I wanted to point out as being of substantial interest would be West Virginia, Texas, because somebody's got to get killed by Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. I would love for it to be a rematch of the Red River shootout because that was a wild game as it was. And, you know, Kyler Murray and Lincoln Riley with revenge in their hearts could be a truly splendid thing to watch. Plus, if Texas beats Oklahoma twice in the same season but is still left out of the playoff, could there be anything more satisfying than that? I mean, the question is... What shade will Tom Herman's face turn? He's re- he really is approaching like Brian Kelly levels of rage color, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, th- Tom Herman is fascinating because... Wouldn't you think most head football coaches in Division One would have ready access to blood pressure medication to like control that shit? Perhaps, but Tom Herman is an interesting case because there's so much volatility, right? Unranked Texas against a top 10 team, you can lock it in as a win. Mm. Top 10 Texas versus an unranked team. Lock it in as a loss. That's the circle. The circle of... Oh, man. Swing and a miss. Yeah, I couldn't put... You just got it. Yeah, I don't know. Just just, just go ahead and... Yeah, just go ahead and call me James Frank because I couldn't close that one. Nailed it. It's locked me. Your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle. Empire!